Are you looking to immigrate to the United States, have questions on what type of visa or investment is right for you? Or maybe you're looking for more information about changing your current immigration status. Then you have come to the right place. You have arrived at Investing in the American Dream podcast. I am your host, Jessica Malka. Today we have featured guest Jennifer Scher with First Pathway Partners. Jennifer is here to discuss the processing changes to Form I-526 that was recently announced by USCIS. Today Jennifer is going to discuss what these changes mean, who is impacted by these changes, the good, the bad, and neutral. Let's get into it. Jennifer, it's so great to have you on today. Thanks for having me. So I understand that the U.S. Um, Citizenship and Immigration Services recently announced that there were some changes to Form I-526 um, and that this change may affect some of our current clients. Can you kind of maybe explain um, yesterday's announcement and what does this mean for some of our clients? Yeah, so I've been getting a ton of calls and emails and WhatsApps from our investors um, with pending petitions uh, since we made the announcement on our blog yesterday. Um, and so I thought that I'd come on the podcast today to just kind of explain sort of uh, what's going on with USCIS and um, what those changes are and how those will impact different various investor groups. Um, so basically what's happening is is that for years and years and years, USCIS has adjudicated cases on a first-in, first-out basis. So basically, um, if you file your case first, you'll also get your adjudication first. And if you file your case you know, later, then that case should theoretically be adjudicated uh, later than a case that was filed earlier. Um, now, that's not always how um, we've seen these cases processed in a perfect first-in, first-out order, but um, you know, generally that's sort of uh, what we see too as well. Um, so they've moved from processing now in this first-in, first-out order um, to actually prioritizing certain petitions. So basically, um, individuals from countries where visas are immediately available or are going to be available soon, um, those people are going to be adjudicated first. So anybody who has a pending I-526 petition or who files an I-526 petition moving forward, um, who is from a country that does not have a backlog, um, is going to get processed first. And anybody who is from a country that is subject to backlog is going to be processed later. Okay. And so currently, what countries do have an EB-5 backlog? Um, So countries that have an EB-5 backlog right now are uh, China, Vietnam, and India. So uh, recently, the Department of State gave us uh, their best estimates as to how long they thought the backlogs would be for these particular groups. And so for China, they're estimating about 14 years. Uh, For Vietnam, that's seven and a half years. And for India, uh, they're looking at about 5.7 years. Um, You can check your I-526 filing date uh, that a visa would be available to you on the Department of State website on the the visa bulletin. And does um, USCIS do this with any other visa categories, or is it specific to EB-5? 
Well, um, there are backlogs in a number of different categories. So, you know, if you have an alien relative where you're petitioning to get your sister or your adult child brought into the United States, there is currently quite a long wait for that particular category. Um, And so, you know, this move from processing uh, cases in order of receipt to processing them in order uh, of visa availability kind of aligns with some of those other processes. So there is absolutely um, alignment here with other um, CAP subject categories like the alien relatives. Now you mentioned relatives and and dependents, but who qualifies as a dependent child? So for the EB-5 program, um, anyone that is under the age of 21 Uh, qualifies as a dependent. But, um, you know, it's a little bit different in that um, once a child reaches 21, uh, they can no longer qualify under their parents' application. But there's a little caveat to that. Um, There is something called uh, CESPA, which allows a child who's over the age of 21 to actually qualify with their parent. So, Jen, in your opinion, is this change to the form, is that a good change, bad? Is it, is it neutral? Um, can you kind of maybe take us through what your opinion is on that? Sure. Well, it depends on who you are. Um, so for some people, um, this is going to be, um, you know, bad for them. But this is a very small subset of people. So essentially, um, if you have any issues with your filing, like your project failed, uh, or your project needs to undergo some sort of material change, or your regional center gets terminated, um, this rule is, is, is not good for you because it'll lengthen the amount of time of your adjudication. So basically, if you are um, from one of those backlogged countries um, and something happens to your project or your regional center, um, you know, that'll be a longer period of time where you won't be getting that priority date retention. So, you know, under the new EB-5 rules, um, you can only get priority date retention if you have an approved petition. So if it takes longer to prove your petition, that's a longer time that, you know, your project could potentially fail during or um, that, you know, you would not have that safety net of the priority date retention to be able to keep your old priority date for your new petition. So right now, China basically also gets all of the leftover visas. So processing the rest of the world first um, shouldn't have uh, too much of an impact on the Chinese for long term, Mm -hmm. but um, it may cut down on the number available to Chinese temporarily for the next couple of years while USCIS processes the cases for the rest of the world um, that are currently pending right now. Um, In addition to that, you know, there's some people that I think this will probably be sort of neutral for. Um, You know, you've got your backlogged applicants. um, And so I don't really think this will be that bad for them um, because it's not going to delay their process because a visa is not available to them anyway. So Mm -hmm. essentially they would still be waiting. Mm -hmm. Um, The only thing that they're not going to get is that peace of mind of having that piece of paper with their approval on it. So essentially they'll just be sitting and waiting waiting along Mm -hmm. a little bit longer. Um, But the wait period, the total wait that they'll have will not go up. Who is this good for? Well, um, it's actually really great news um, for non-backlogged applicants, obviously. Um, So their petitions are going to be adjudicated first. Um, And so anybody who's not from China, Vietnam, or India, uh, all of their petitions will basically cut those countries in line. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is also great news for another group of people that you know may not be quite as obvious, which would be the dependent children um, 
of people from China, Vietnam, and India. Um, so essentially only a child who's unmarried and under the age of 21 can qualify to um, immigrate with their parent as a dependent. Um, but there's something called CESPA, mm-hmm. uh, the Child Status Protection Act, uh, that then allows children to continue on their parents' uh, visas. So Jen, I believe you mentioned um, earlier about children and dependents, um, but CESPA, the Child Status Protection Act, what is that and, and what does that mean? Yeah, so since 2002, uh, they've broadened the definition of a child. So any kids who turn 21, they can still, um, you know, retain that eligibility as a child. Um, The child's age is frozen while the I-526 petition is pending with USCIS. And then when USCIS approves that petition, it then begins advancing again. So they begin getting older again. So that entire time that the I-526 is pending, um, the child does not age. So if they're okay. 19 when they file, mm-hmm. they are 19 when they get approved as well. But then when they get approved, their age starts advancing again. So then they start getting older. So the child's age, if it reaches 21 before a visa becomes available, then the child ages out. But if visas are available when the I-526 petition is approved, the child still qualifies as a dependent and there's no age out as long as the child has not turned 21 at the time the I-526 petition was received by USCIS. So if visas are unavailable when the I-526 petition gets approved, then the child has to wait for a visa to become available. And then when the visas become available, the amount of time that the I-526 petition was pending with USCIS gets subtracted from that child's biological age. And that's when you get the CESPA age. So a child who's over 21 can qualify um, under their parents' petition, even if they would have otherwise aged out. So the longer the wait there is for a visa number, the greater risk that your child is going to age out. Mm-hmm. But the longer the wait for the I-526 petition and the longer time that it's pending, the less risk that a child will have that they'll age out because that's more time that you get to subtract off. Mm-hmm. So in a sense, is this good for clients or AB5 applicants that are from backlog countries? Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So if you're from China, India, or Vietnam, and you've got a child um, that is a dependent on your petition, this is great news for you because you want your petition to be pending as long as possible because all of that time you get to subtract off of your child's age. That time is frozen. So essentially, none of that counts toward your child getting older and approaching 21. Mm -hmm. So it's absolutely great news for them. So if instead of it taking a year to process your I-526, if it takes them seven years to process your I-526, your kid gets to subtract seven years off of his age. So huge, huge, really good news for those petitioners. Mm If you would like to know more about First Pathway Partners and how they can help you with a direct EB-5 investment, or if you're looking for other visa opportunities such as an E-2 visa, please contact them directly online at www.firstpathway.com. If you would like to be featured on an upcoming podcast, please contact us by calling 414 431 
Please note this podcast is not intended to replace direct legal consultation, nor should it, but it should provide you with some insight from our community of immigration experts. I hope you've enjoyed today's show.